What's up, my fellow lionesses and lions? Welcome to the Project Lioness podcast. We are here to disrupt the mainstream narrative when it comes to health, holism, and human consciousness. We are here to share bold truths about health and life from a female perspective. This episode is brought to you by our team, Inspire Co., where we stand for your health being inspired by choice rather than being inhibited by chance. Thank you for being here and joining in on these raw, real, and powerful conversations. We hope our show brings you inspiration and empowerment to overcome challenges, reclaim your life, and ultimately pursue your mission with power, purpose, and play. Now, let's get into the episode. Hello, everybody. It's Jess. Oh, I guess I should sing. Hello. Hello. Uh, I am doing my first solo cast today. I'm very excited to be here. Uh, I'm talking about something that has been really challenging for me, something that I've had to work really hard to overcome. Honestly, it's not something that I'm over yet, but I recognize the presence of it in my life, which makes it easier to kind of see around it, to remind myself that one, I'm human and these thoughts are normal and protective, but also um, I don't need to feed into this idea anymore. And I have strategies in place to work around it. So before I get into what I'm telling you about, let me tell you a little bit about me. So I am, as I've told you in previous episodes, I am a holistic occupational therapist. I focus more on prevention rather than treatment and rehabilitation, which is wonderful place to be. I love prevention. I understand the pathology of disease and I really want to help people present the, not present, prevent the onset of illnesses, of disease. And I do that through lifestyle. And I, um, I have a lot to teach. I have a lot to share and I don't want to get too far into it today. But the other thing that I work with is Reiki, and body work. And I combine those two things into a really unique experience where Reiki is the movement of energy in our bodies and, um, you know, kind of in, endowing people with healing energies and loving energies. And that's really great. It's a beautiful practice. It's something you can learn to do for yourself. I find that sometimes when we have physical tension in our body, it can be harder to accept that energy and move it through us smoothly, even though, you know, it, we are capable of doing it. When we feel that physical tension, we kind of stop ourselves. And so what I do is a form of body work where I release physical tension from the muscles, the fascia, and the joints to help facilitate energy movement throughout the entire body. Yes, that's a little bit about me. It's super fun. It's super unique. I'm, I have the experience of working with, you know, a growing population. I'm even starting to take clients at Inspire Life, which is exciting. Um, and as I move into this part of myself, which I feel every time I do it, every time I'm with a client, whether it be for occupational therapy or for Reiki, I feel like I'm in the right place and I'm doing the right thing and it just feels so aligned. I leave every session feeling like this is good and this is right and this is what I should be doing. 
However, sometimes before those sessions, I get this plaguing thought of imposter syndrome, of of just not knowing if what I'm doing is even helping or is even real. Like, of course it's real. This is what I believe in. It's changed my life. It's changed the life of clients. And I watch other people use similar tactics and help so many people. Of course it's real. However, I get this plaguing thought, this idea that what if it doesn't work? Which is not something you want to have before you meet with a client because part of the medicine of what we do is belief. And belief is so important. It changes the trajectory of your life. It changes the trajectory trajectory of a healing session. And so I have to work really hard to overcome those fears. And a lot of practices I do, I've talked about in other sessions is, you know, um, meditating and journaling and movement in my body. And then, you know, just sensing into who I am and remembering that my intuition is very strong and always has been and it's real. And it gives me the confidence to walk into these sessions and help facilitate change. However, if I said that I felt that confident at every moment of my life, that would be a lie. So this is kind of what I'm talking about today. It's personal. It's not limited to me at all. It's something that we might all experience But this is something that I really resonate with because it impacted my confidence, my follow through. And again, it often comes to me as imposter syndrome. What I'm talking about is the negative perspective I take when self-assessing or self-analyzing my actions, my beliefs, my behaviors, my plans, and so on. And it's a way my analysis, my analyses then churn into second guessing, guilt, shame, embarrassment, avoidance, etc., Of course, if you have listened to past episodes, you know that a lot of those feelings, the guilt and the shame, embarrassment, are actually a response of overprotectiveness from our bodies and our mind. But this is one of my favorite things to say to people, and I say it all the time. I say to myself, just because your thoughts are protective does not mean that they are productive. So I guess I'm taking the long way around labeling this experience because The label itself denotes a negative perspective, but what I'm talking about is commonly referred to as self-limiting beliefs. I've been trying to think of them as self-protective beliefs lately. Um, Remember, protective, not necessarily productive, because in the end, any behavior or attitude I take is derived from a higher purpose and a higher need. However, that behavior is not necessarily serving that purpose in a way that will feel fulfilling or directed in the long run. And this is kind of what I mean. Dr. Mel gave me a really beautiful example. She said, you may find yourself watching TV or zoning out for hours, and we're really quick to judge this behavior within ourselves. when really it might come from a deeper need that is being unmet. Like maybe you are in need of just freaking sitting there and making no decisions, just allowing something else to direct your thoughts for a bit. What is this telling you? You are in need of a break. And I don't know about you. If you're a mother, you are making decisions. For so many people, it makes sense that you would want to just take a mental break. Just being a woman in general, we are nurturers, which calls us to be decision makers in a lot of ways. And it's tiring. Uh, But when we hold on to that judgment about the experience, we then 
bring up guilt or shame and we find ourselves just shooting all over ourselves. That's S-H-O-U-L-D, shooting all over ourselves. So I want to take a deeper look at this TV analogy. Is zoning out for hours a productive use of my time that may make me more resourceful in the long run? No, probably not. Definitely not if it's something I do every day, but it is my body and my brain defaulting into a protective pattern. Knowing this allows us to be so much more self-forgiving and so much more self-loving and so much more empowered. Your body and your mind are always on your side. We like to demonize some of the things that we experience, but really if we look at it as our body working for us rather than against us, it makes us so much easier to live in cohesion with that body mind. So I could go into analogies like the TV one for a while and pick out things that we commonly do that we label as bad or as selfish or that they don't serve us productively. And I will go into another one of those. It's a hot button topic in a bit here, but I really want to get into why we carry these self-limiting beliefs at all in the first place and then go into common impacts these beliefs have on most people. And then lastly, I'm going to share some strategies I use myself and with my clients to integrate these beliefs in a way that's both productive and productive. Self-limiting beliefs, self-productive beliefs have many roots. The most common being... Well, the most obvious, in my opinion, is past experiences. Negative experiences in the past can lead us to form limiting beliefs about ourselves and our abilities. For example, say you failed at something in the past, you may believe that you will always fail at that thing. The way someone has treated you in the past or the way you have perceived others' intentions towards you in the past might influence your belief about your capabilities. Our past is not only stamped into our our minds, but also our bodies, because with each experience, we have a physical response that our tissues remember. One of Dr. Mel's favorite sayings, which Dr. Erin told me about is, issues in the tissues, right? Like our tissues hold on to something. They are intelligent. Our bodies remember. And one of the most important Important considerations to take with this is that you can work through things mentally, but if you aren't engaging in the physical body release, those experiences will linger because our bodies don't have higher level reasoning and thus they cannot prepare us for future experiences without training. They can only function off of past experiences. This is why we talk so much about somatics in Project Lioness. We talk about healing from the past and how it's a mind and body approach. So for me, the past is where I find the most challenging self-limiting beliefs come, though I would say the majority of my beliefs come from a fear, a fear of failure, rejection, or the unknown, which holds us back and can cause us to form self-limiting beliefs about our potential. And We have said it on here before, but fear is a primitive instinct. It has kept us alive since the beginning of time, and we have needed it to survive. That's why the emotion is so freaking powerful. The problem is that our fear can lead us into self-sabotaging, which holds us back from so much. And when this fear holds us back, we call it self-preservation. And when self-preservation comes from a fear response, you are going to have a really hard time envisioning a compelling future for yourself because a part of you doesn't believe that it will happen. So you're 
you don't want to disappoint yourself. And that's what it comes down to. So what do we do when we're experiencing this? We block out advice. We block out our opportunities. We block out our creative thinking, wishing, hoping, daydreaming. We block out our access to our cognitive skills that we have worked to develop because we are worried we may fail and disappoint ourselves so we don't even try. Again, this is self-preservation derived from fear. And we all have it. We need it to survive. It's sur- it's primal, but it also bites us in the ass when we're trying to think more abundantly, when we're trying to escape the box. And the box brings me to my next point. Social conditioning. Social conditioning is powerful, my friends. I remember being, you know, like when you're young, your social conditioning comes from your home. But as you age, your social conditioning comes from your peers and all of that can conflict and be confusing and it influences the beliefs we hold about ourselves and the world. And often those beliefs that we have are shaped by the people around us, like I said, our peers and our family and teachers and also social structures like schools, corporate America, the medical system, etc., If people in our lives have strong beliefs and voice them and live them, and we don't share that same strength, we might find ourselves adopting those beliefs without even realizing it. And it's not even a matter of strength. Sometimes we do it as kids because we're taught it. Sometimes we do it as friends because we see other people who are successful living in this way. And we're like, well, if they're doing this, then I can do it too. A great mentor of mine, Rachel Bell, and others have explained social conditioning as this box. And this box is something that we're meant to fit in. We might find ourselves questioning the validity of our experiences when we don't fit into this box, when we don't fit into the system, when we start to question what we're being told. And can that mess with a person's head? This box has been a real pain in the ass for my clients lately who are starting to question some of their experiences who are questioning how the system has shaped them. And I don't mean like a specific system, but just systems of humanity and the culture that we live in today and how it's shaped them. And before I move on to the next point, this is what I've been leaving my clients with. This is a question I have for you right now. When you look at successful individuals, now I don't mean merely like wealthy people, When you look at people and they are seemingly happy and secure, do you think that they got there by living on other people's terms, by living off of other people's beliefs? Yes, going outside the lines is fucking scary, but I have found it to be incredibly worth it. Shaking off social conditioning can be really challenging. It's something I've had to work really hard at, and even so, I fall back into old patterns because that social conditioning can also feel like security and safety. Remember, social conditioning can lead us to feeling accepted by the tribe. Um, And that's really important. So if you are questioning your social conditioning, start to find people who are open-minded. Seek out communities, especially Inspire Life community. Like we have this new thing that we're launching in May. We're going to start book clubs and um, like health experiments together. So seek out community, seek out people who you can speak open-minded with and start to form your own social condition. And then while you're doing this, 
try not to compare yourself to others, which leads me to my last, the last thing I'm going to talk about that leads to self-limiting beliefs. There are so many more, um, but this is my favorite quote. Comparison is the thief of joy. I used to compare myself to everybody and everything and where people were in their progress, how people were doing with friends, how parents were doing with their children. But it really was the thief of joy. If you've done a Reiki session with me, you know that one of my favorite vibrations to work with is joy. It is so powerful and so healing and so affirming and we're all capable and deserving of feeling joy. In fact, it's a core human experience. We lose that when we compare ourselves to others. And when we see somebody we perceive as more successful than us, we may believe that we'll never be able to achieve or have what they have. And the truth is, We aren't meant to have what other people have. That's theirs. Let them have it. You're an individual. You need different things. We could seek to emulate the goodness that they have, but we should be striving to make it our own, our own life. Because comparison causes us to cast doubts on our progress, on our timeline, and on our journey as a whole. Our past Fears, social conditioning, and comparison all lead us into self-assessments that truly do not serve us. And sometimes we don't even realize that we have taken these on and created a limiting perspective around it. These beliefs exist both consciously and subconsciously, and we begin to express them. Some of these we say aloud, and some of them we express through our thoughts and our actions. So really common ones that I say, find myself saying, that I find clients saying is, I am not good enough. I am too old or too young. I'm not creative. This is a hot button topic for us. I do not have enough time. I'm not lucky. It's too late to change. I don't deserve that. And that other hot button topic I promised I would tell you about, I'm going to rant on it for a hot minute here, is other people's health is more important than my own. Women, the biggest self-limiting belief I see you playing into that could be hard to accept and even more so if you have kiddos. Now, this is just my own opinion. I don't have facts necessarily to back it up. I'm sure I could find some, but I'm just going off of my intuition, what I see when it comes from working with clients, from talking with women, and from listening to the stories of women. Our biggest self-limiting belief is that the health of others comes before our own. This might not be something that you outwardly verbalize, but it is reflected in your actions, your plan, and your perspectives, and in your health. Why, out of all the beliefs, is this the biggest issue I see? Because health is fucking everything. Your health is your wealth. Your health is your quality of life. Your health is your energy source. And if you aren't nurturing that, then you will not feel fulfilled. It's a cold, hard truth. If you are prioritizing your family's friends, spouse's health above your own, you will not feel fulfilled. And you know what else? No one else is going to be getting the best of you either. Don't short people out on you. They deserve to see how amazing you are. 
And you deserve to live into that amazingness. And so when I tell women this, when I tell moms this, they are shocked. And their initial reaction is, what? No, I can never, like, my kids are so important. I have to do this. And, and, and they are. Your kids are important. Your spouse is important. Your family, your environment, they are important. But my friends have this question. Do you want your kids to achieve their dreams? Do you want your kids to recognize their potential? Do you want others to prioritize their health and well-being? If so, you could tell them that until you're blue in the face, but the only way it's truly going to happen is if you're setting the example. Because really, how many times do you see or remember as a child your parents telling you things and then kind of forgetting them, but then later find yourself acting like your parent or see your child acting like you? More often or not, they're going to ignore what you're saying and copy what you're doing, especially when they're young. And I have parents of high-needs kids, whether it's behavior, sensory, or medically high-need kids, question how they can achieve this, how they can achieve prioritizing their health over that of their child who has the a need for more support to be healthy, to be well. Is it even realistic? And I will say it is absolutely more complicated to be sure. There is so much to navigate, but every single problem has a solution. And I could tell you that the solution is not sacrificing your own health. This gets me a little bit fired up if you can tell. Because on the other side of these limiting beliefs, on the empowered side of health. Again, I might not be completely free of these beliefs, but I can at least see them and recognize how they are impacting me. And when I could see and recognize that, I know that with every self-limiting belief you carry, you take a swing at your confidence. And with every self-limiting belief you carry, you're giving power over to something outside of yourself, With every single self-limiting belief you carry, you are affecting your health. And with every single self-limiting belief that you carry, you lose a piece of yourself. And that fucking sucks because you are amazing. And I fully believe that each human on this earth comes here with a purpose and a mission. And I want you to realize that. And I want you to live it out. I see you, even if I cannot physically see you right now, even if we have never met, I endeavor to hold space for you. I hold space for women without judgment. I'm holding space for you here and now and as often as I can, except for right before I get my period, because that space is reserved for me only. I see you and I want you to believe in yourself and your dreams. The world needs you. It needs your authentic self, which is why I want to share this episode today, because these negative thoughts can be pervasive, and then they begin to impact our mental, our physical, our emotional, and or our spiritual health. So it can impact all of those, or just one of those. And all of these areas of health are connected as a whole. So when one area is off, it has a potential to cascade because it's all cyclical. However, when we strive towards health and adaptability, those areas can lend to each other and support each other until that system is back fully online. 
So on that note of health and adaptability, here are some mental tactics to nurture those self-limiting, self-preserving beliefs. And I say nurturing because as I mentioned at the beginning of this episode, these beliefs are a result of a functional self. Again, every part of you is working exactly as it should, whose behavior and attitudes are derived from a higher purpose and a higher need. Again, however, that behavior is not necessarily serving that purpose in a way that will feel fulfilling or directed in the long run. So this is how I go about it. There are multiple ways. Everybody has a different approach. My first step is acknowledging the belief. And I'm going to stick with the TV analogy on this one from earlier. So here acknowledging the belief might look like, oh, I just said to myself, I'm super lazy for watching X numbers hours of TV. And then I will reframe the perspective by looking at it a deeper why into why I'm engaging with that action. For example, I am watching TV because it takes the pressure off of me having to do any more thinking and planning for today. After I have acknowledged what's happening, reframed it, I'm going to release judgment. I need and deserve some kind of physical and mental break because I'm a human in a sensory heavy world. So after I release judgment, I'm going to examine the benefits of this level of relaxation and ask myself a question like, is there another way I can access this level of restoration? And that way I can, in the future, probably not in the moment, find another way to fulfill my needs. And I've made the decision ahead of time so that when I get to that level of exhaustion, I don't have to make another decision. So for me, if I'm tired, a choice might be meditation, walking on a familiar path. So again, I don't have to make a choice. And even taking a nap might be more fulfilling than watching hours of TV. And then I make a plan. So again, I have acknowledged the belief. I've reframed it. I've released judgment. I've examined the benefits and asked myself a question about how I could benefit from a different behavior that serves the same purpose. And then I'm going to make a plan. Now, making a plan is multifaceted. We've talked about goals and plans in a previous episode, and we might get into it again further at another time. But having a plan with goals will decrease your decision fatigue. It will promote stability and even decrease anxious feelings because your body knows what is coming next. Your plan should have goals, accountability, and action plans that could be as simple as when I get to X amount of TV time, I'm going to turn the TV off. Making a plan also includes being able to recognize the signs and expressions leading into the belief that limits us, which means we might have to have a level of familiarity with our body because let me tell you, the fuel for self-limiting beliefs is the nervous system dysregulation, aka communication issues between the body and the mind. So beyond the mental, we could begin to interrupt these limiting patterns with our physical body and which for me is just much more tangible. It's a lot easier. So you can do all of these things like acknowledge, reframe, release, examine, and make a plan and recognize that your body is a tool that you can use too. One thing I always ask myself when it comes to, you know, recognizing this self-limiting belief is where am I feeling this in my body? Where is the tension or the discomfort? And what is that sensation like? And then I might get into how does that area and sensation want to be nurtured? 
Some big ones for nurturing are deep pressure, deep measured breathing. So using like a breathing scale, like the four, 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 or the, I can't even think of them off the top of my head, but, but some kind of measured scale so that you don't have to just breathe in and out when you want, you're breathing in and out on a count. And if you're also following with a count, then you're focused on the numbers rather than racing thoughts, which can be really beneficial. Another one I really like is deep stretching, shaking, like vibrating your whole body. Like I talked about on a a different episode where I was like gyrating in the chair and then child's pose. I love child's pose. It's a sense of security and safety and it's so comforting. Um, so, you know, again, where, where is the sensation in your body? Is it tension or is it discomfort? And what does that sensation like really feel like? And how do you need to nurture it? And then you could start to realize the bodily sensations and you could start to do things to regulate yourself when the sensations begin and before you get overwhelmed. So again, once you recognize these sensations in your body, it might start to change the behavior action you take in the future. Um, Again, uh, if you have a plan, that makes it a lot easier and just being forgiving and releasing judgment. So before I let you go, I just want to touch really quickly on what I do with my clients and myself when I experience resistance in any aspect of life. And when I say resistance, I mean that before I recognize I'm having a self-limiting belief, I first feel that things are difficult and I don't necessarily even realize that my own nervous system, my own self-preservation is what's creating this dissonance here. So One thing I really like doing is journaling. Uh, Journaling is a really great way to let unfiltered thoughts, self-expression, help you identify what your belief is, especially if that belief is impacting your confidence, your productivity, your self-connection, etc. I know that people are like, journaling, blah, blah, blah. Or like, what if somebody found my journal? And I'm like, burn it. Like, write it down and then burn it. Just practice your authentic voice. Say exactly what you want to say. That is a really great way to get over social conditioning is to just listen to your own voice. It's so important. And what you have to say matters. It not only matters to you, but to other people too. And then you, once you journal and kind of get that belief out, you can start to identify where did this belief come from? It's really important to know, is it from the past? Is it social conditioning? Is it fear? Is it comparison? There are other things too, but I can't think of them on the top of my mind. Where did it come from? And then identify a rational response to those beliefs. So a rational response could be things have worked out in the past. Maybe not always the way that I planned them to, but I like where I'm at now and things are working for me. And then find the dissonance between your current belief and where you want to be. Is it in your actions, your thoughts, your environment, your lifestyle, your health? And once you find the disconnection, it's easier to create a plan that honors both the mental and somatic needs of your humanness. Self-limiting beliefs, self-preservation beliefs are completely normal. Everybody experiences them, even those who are accomplished and seemingly successful experience self-limiting beliefs. I have had to work really hard to get through them. And I still find myself saying things like, I can't, or I don't think I will. But 
when you start to recognize them, when you start to acknowledge them and release the judgment around it and recognize that those beliefs might be serving a different purpose, a higher purpose, and that there are more beneficial ways to serve that purpose, it becomes so much easier. I'm not saying it's like an overnight thing. This has taken time. It will take consistency and it will take commitment and bravery. And I believe in you. I know that you can do this. So thank you for sitting with me today as I talked about self-limiting, self-preservation beliefs, where they come from, and how we can move through them. This is Jess with Project Lioness, and we are here to guide you in reclamation of your power, inspire you to pursue your authentic purpose, and ultimately invite you to play all out in life. Until next time, see you later. Thank you for joining the Project Lioness podcast. Did you find value in today's episode? Help us impact the lives of others by sharing this podcast with someone you know who would resonate and benefit from the Project Lioness message. Excited to hear more? We invite you to subscribe on whatever platform you're tuning in on. And we'd be so grateful for you to leave us a review about what you enjoy most as well as what you'd like to hear more of. Thank you so much for all of your support. Sincerely yours in power, purpose, and play. Dr. Mel with the Project Lioness podcast. Keep rising, keep roaring, and keep inspiring.